Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this morning. Thank you for your word that has gone forth from here, <clears throat> from, the, from this building thus far, that have reached our ears, that have penetrated into our souls and our spirit. Thank you, Lord Father, for giving us your spirit within us that just rejoices and cries out, Amen, Amen, to your word and uh, to the songs that we sang, that, that truly you are Father, you are Creator, you are our Lord, and you've sent your Son to redeem us, Lord Father, for just the... Uh, Wicked people, Lord Father, just with rebellious hearts, our, our, our wicked na- nature, just to rebel against you, but Lord Father, you have given us your righteousness through your Son, your Spirit, to draw us back to you, so we may sing to our Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. Amen. And we ask for your blessings upon this time together in your Son's name. Amen. The book of Proverbs, family matters, right? The two meanings of matter. Family matters. It's significant. It's important. Family matters, family events, situations, right? Hence the roller coaster, right? Especially if you have daughters. See the, here's, here's the McNulty's and the Royals. All boys, piece of cake, Trevor, easy breezy, not a problem. There's the car, the car family, right? Yeah, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? So, okay, so, you know, it's multiple things could have, uh, could have spoke on. These are the three that I picked. Rearing children, adultery, and the noble woman, so we'll dive right into it. Rearing children, right? One of the verses that most of us are familiar with from Proverbs. Start children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So wonderful, um, what I want to use as an illustration to unpack this, as you can see, Cain and Abel, the first, first family. So we hear Genesis 4, 1 to 4. Beautiful verses, okay? Forget about Cain's sin and the murder. Take these verses for what they are. Beautiful, beautiful verses about faith, rearing children. Adam made love to his wife, Eve. Beautiful, right? Almost perfect. Just think the most beautiful man in the world, the only man in the world, but he guaranteed he was beautiful. The most beautiful woman in the world, right? Fulfilling one of God's most beautiful gifts, right? To living creatures. It's beautiful. And, and, but not quite perfect because, you know, this verse should be in chapter 2, right? Back in the Garden of Eden. Then it would be in the perfect setting. But that's not where we have it. Adam and Eve are rolling around in, on the right on the dry grounds and the thistles. But it's beautiful too because if you think about it, it's an act of faith, right? God told them, you eat from the tree, you will surely die. So if they thought they were going to die, why are they producing or, you know, multiplying? Because they had faith. They had faith that God would be faithful in his promises to bring forth a seed from that woman. Right? Beautiful story. Beautiful. So we have, so we have a beautiful setting. We have grace. We have, we have the promised seed. And who's the seed that's promised? Jesus. Right? So just this little verse about the first man and woman making love. You just, you, you know, you don't, oh, oh. They're talking about sex already in the Bible. No, it's beautiful. Tell your children. Tell your grandchildren. This is Jesus. This is pointing ahead. This is pointing ahead to Jesus. It's a beautiful verse. Adam made love to, uh, to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And she said, with the help of the Lord, faith again, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a son. Right? She could have just said, I brought forth a son. But no, with the help of the Lord. Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. Now look at this, in the course of time, beautiful five words, hold on to those. Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. And Abel also brought an offering 
fat portions from some of his firstborn of his flock. So those words, in the course of time, right? Dive right into that. What does that mean? That's, that's the, the Adam and Eve raising their children in the way they should go, right? And what are they doing? They're teaching them things that God taught them, and they're telling them about things that God has done. That's what rearing children is all about. So you just think of what, what they told them, you know, how they said, you know, when we first opened our eyes, the first thing we saw was the Lord in front of us, breathing life into us. And then this beautiful garden that he brought us, brought us into. And, and Adam said, you know, how God brought all the animals to me, and I named them all. Beautiful teachings about the Lord. But then they would have taught him about those events in chapter 3, right? With the, with the serpent and how they were deceived. And they would have taught their children and told the children about the things that the Lord did, about, about their, uh, their rebellion and their disobedience, how they wanted to do things their way, how they wanted to define good and evil their own way. But how, the, how God was gracious, even through his curses, he was gracious, right? Saying that you will still go forth and work the land. And Eve, you will still go forth and have children. It'll hurt, but you will. And the grace of God, and they would have heard, right, God's curse upon the serpent, that a seed from the woman was coming to crush the head of the serpent. And all the other teachings, and, and the fact that they're presenting offerings, shows that Adam and Eve raised their children in the way that they should go, right? Telling them that, uh, that God had taught us, God had covered us when we were naked and shameful. And, and God had instructed us to, to present these offerings. Thank, you know, thanking Him. First uh, offerings, first fruit. Uh, sin offerings. And we see, and the children listened. They brought forth, in the, when they became of age, when they were older, He brought forth, forth their own offerings. Wonderful story. Wonderful story of upbringing. So now, New Testament family, 2017. How do we do it, right? Apart from, you know, we don't, we don't have the, uh, the animal sacrifice and the burnt offerings and stuff. Same way. We teach them what the, door, what the Lord has taught us, and we tell them the things that the Lord has done. Teach them the obedience to the words of God. Then Jesus came uh, to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore... Go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit, and teach them. Teach them obey to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Tell them. Tell them what the Lord has done. Right? That's what communion is all about. This is my body, given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Right? When your kids are young, you go through the catechisms, or then the first communion, or you bring them to the breaking of the bread. Dad, Mom... What does this mean? What does the bread mean? What does the cup mean? Why are we doing this? In remembrance of Jesus. Why? What did Jesus do? Tell them. Leading them on the right path. And that's how it was. Right from the beginning. We see it right during, during the time of the Exodus. The, the Shema. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commands that I give to you today are to be on your hearts. And press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at, that, sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands. Bind them on your forehead. Write them on the door frames, uh, on your houses and on your gates. In the future, when your son asks you, 
What is the meaning of this? Of these stipulations, of these decrees, and the, and the, the laws that the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him, we were slaves. Think of this from a Christian point, point of view. Uh, we were slaves, right? To Pharaoh in Egypt. But the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand, with a mighty cross, with a mighty sun before our eyes. The Lord set signs and wonders, great and terrible, on Egypt and Pharaoh and his whole household. But he brought us out uh, from there to bring us in and to give us land he promised. An oath to our ancestors. The Lord commanded us to obey all these decrees and fear the Lord our God so that we might always prosper and be kept alive as it is today. And if we are careful to obey all the law before the Lord God as he has commanded, that will be our righteousness. Beautiful words. Beautiful. Going to be going through a lot of scripture here. So that's raising the children. Right? Telling them. Teaching them. Everything the Lord has done from the beginning. Right? The old, the old way. Start your children off the way they should go. And even when they're old, you will not turn from it. Now we learned from the beginning of this study. When Dave Hook opened up our study in Proverbs. That Proverbs are not promises. Right? They're guidance. I took from, from my study Bible this note here. The proverbs contained in this book are not to be interpreted as prophecies, nor should their statements about effects and results be interpreted as promises. So what about Cain? The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and on his offering, he did not look with favor. Right? And some, there's a teaching of there. Some people say, well, it's because of Cain's offering, right? Cain brought uh, the fruit, something that he prepared with his hands. I don't think that's what it is, right? Proverbs 15, the Lord detests the sacrifice of the wicked. I think the Lord knew Cain's heart even before he brought his sacrifice. You see it here in Genesis. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? I think the Lord's talking about Cain's heart, his, um, his demeanor, his thoughts about his own brother, even before he brought his offering, that they were not right. Therefore, God did not accept him or his sacrifice. Some wonderful verses that um, Jeremiah, to those uh, in, Ju- in Judah, just before the exile, this is what the Lord says, Stand at the crossroads, look, Ask for the ancient path, right? Same Adam and Eve, teaching their children, uh, telling and teaching the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your soul. But you said, we will not walk in it. I pointed watchmen over you and said, listen to the sound of the trumpet. But you said, we will not listen. Thus, they have not listened to my words and have rejected my laws. But do I care about incense from Sheba or sweet calamus from this land? Your burnt offerings are not acceptable. Your sacrifices do not please me. So, New Testament family. What do we do when we have a child that seems to be going astray? That, that, that doesn't want to follow the teachings, that is rejecting the teachings and the stories in the Bible. Well, the Proverbs has some guidance for corrections. Called the rod. 
Proverbs 23, do not withhold discipline from a child. If you punish them with a rod, they will not die. Put them with, uh, punish them with the rod and save them from death. Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline will drive it far away. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father to the son he delights in. Now there's many forms of of the rod, of discipline, of rebuking child, right? We've all, um, there are many ways. We've, those of us, are, we, we try many things, and sometimes it works on certain children, sometimes it doesn't. There's many ways. But the one, one way I want to sh- share with you, um, this is, a man came to a, an elder and his wife and asked them to pray, to pray for uh, his kids, who he sensed were starting to perhaps not walk in the way of the Lord. So the couple began to pray, and the wife prayed, and I was shocked by what, what I heard her pray. And she said, she prayed that this child would have no peace. Isn't that fascinating? Right? When the whole world is running after peace, searching for peace, praying for peace in the world. This woman prayed that this child who was straying from the Lord would have no peace in their life until they came back to the Lord. Wow. That's discipline. Right? That's the rod. That's, that's putting faith in God to be the one who disciplines the child. Right? And then that's the story of the prodigal son, isn't it? He went through the dry land. He, went, he, he was starving. He went out looking for, for pleasure and joy. He ended up starving. And it wasn't until he, real, uh, wasn't until he had no peace and no comfort, no contentment in his life, then he realized that his true joy and his true peace was with the Father. For this son of mine was lost, was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Adultery. I'm going to turn to Proverbs 7, starting in verse 6, just to read. Proverbs 7 says, At the window of my house, I looked down through the lattice. I saw among the simple... I noticed among the young men a youth who had no sense. He was going down the street uh, near her corner, walking along the direction of her house. At twilight, as the day was fading, at the dark of night, as the dark of night set in. Then out came a woman to meet him, dressed like a prostitute and with crafty intent. She is unruly and defiant. Her feet never stay at home. Now in the street, now in the, not in the squares, uh, at every corner she lurks. She took, she took hold of him and kissed him. And with a brazen face, she said, Today I fulfilled my vows and I have food from my fellowship offering at home. So I came out to meet you. I looked for you and uh, have, have found you. I've covered my bed with, with colored linens from Egypt. I've perfumed my bed with myrrh, aloes, and cinnamon. Come, let's drink deeply of love till morning. Let's enjoy ourselves with love. My husband is not at home. 
He's gone on a long journey. He took his purse filled with money, and, I will, and he will not be home until the full moon. Now listen to these last three verses. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She, sedu- she seduced him with her smooth talk. All at once, he followed her like an ox going to the slaughter, like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierced his liver, like a bird darting to a snare, little knowing it would cost him his life. So his last three verses. Persuasive words, seducing. The man, going to, uh, the man not knowing that it will cost him his life. Verses like this... Uh, you know, we can swap, right? Man for a woman, because we know that it's not always the woman doing the persuasive, seducing. And it's not always the man who's, who's uh, falling into the trap. So, perver- so, so I just want to talk about the wisdom of the Lord here for a second. My, okay, uh, Proverbs 2, My son, if you accept my words and store my commandments within you, turning your heart to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding. And if you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth uh, and uh, his mouth come knowledge and understanding. So let's, let's uh, tear this verse apart. This is one of those if-then-for verses in the Bible, right? If, if you accept my words, if you store up my commandments within you, if you turn your heart to wisdom, if you apply your heart to understanding. Indeed, if you call out for insight, if you cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it, as for silver, and if you search for it, for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord. Then you will find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So what does that mean? That when we seek and search and pray for wisdom, that God's going to talk to us verbally? He'll give us the answers that we need at the time? No, that's not what he means, right? We know that, um, as Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes proceeds from the mouth of God. And what's that mean? He's talking about the Scripture, right? Those are the Scriptures that we, we, we train up our children in, right? That we teach them with. Those are the stories that we tell our children when they're young, that we, keep, that we stick to, to the path. These are the words of wisdom, the Bible, the scripture. And wisdom will save you. Women, women will save you from the ways of wicked men, for men, who, for men whose words are perverse, who have, who have left the straight path to walk in the dark, who delight in uh, doing wrong and rejoice in per- perverseness or evil, whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. So here we have words. Words are uh, perverse, contrary, difficult, and reasonable. And the words lead you down a path. We see that the man has left the straight path, right? That small gate, that narrow gate that leads to salvation. And he walks down the dark way, the wide gate, the broad uh, gate that leads to destruction. Men, wisdom will save you. Also from the adulterous woman, from the wayward, uh, wayward woman with her seductive words, who, have left, uh, who has left her partner of her youth and ignored the covenant she has made before God, her wedding vows. Surely her house leads down to death and her path to the spirit of the dead. None who go to her return uh, or attain the path of life. So again, words, seduction, alluring, tempting, irresistible. The path she goes down that leads you down leads to death. 
and the spirit of the dead. So we see that words can save you, the words of God, or the words of the wicked can destroy you. Here's how the words can destroy you um, from other men, from other people. Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burned? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. A man who commits adultery has no sense. Whoever does so destroys himself. He destroys himself. Blows and disgrace are his lot, and his shame will never be wiped away. And then in, in this verse here, for jealousy arouses a husband, a husband's fury, and he will show no mercy when he takes his vengeance. He will not accept any compensation. He will refuse a bribe, however great, is, great it is. So we see how the words destroy, the words of the, the wicked man and the seductive woman. And consequences with God. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the, the bosom of a wayward woman? For, you, for your ways are always in full view of the Lord. And he examines all our past. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The, cord, uh, the cords of their sins hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die led astray by their own great folly. And we see this. Sorry for all the verses. This is, this is Proverbs, right? This is all about verses, right? So I'm reading a lot here. Revelation. How, uh, he who has seated on the throne said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. Uh, to the thirsty I will give, wa- uh, give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they shall be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderous, the sexual immoral, those who practice magic art, idolatry, and all liars will be consigned to the fiery lake of fire. This is the second death. Serious, serious consequences to following the wicked man, the wayward woman, to listening to their, their words, to being seduced, and not seeking the knowledge of God to overcome it. Destruct, destruction from man and from God. So here's some wisdom from Proverbs. My son, keep your father's command and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Sounds like Adam and Eve. Bind them always on your heart. Fasten them around your neck. Sounds like the Shema. When you walk, they will guide you. When you sleep, they will watch over you. When you wake, they will speak to you. For this command is a lamp. This, uh, this teaching is a light and correction and instructions are the way of life. Keeping you from your neighbor's wife. From the smooth talk of a wayward woman, do not lust in your heart after her beauty, or let her, uh, her cap- or let her captivate you with her eyes. For a prostitute can be had for a loaf of bread, but another man's wife preys on your very life. This is one of my favorite uh, proverbs uh, on this topic. Drink water from your own cistern. Running water uh, from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the streets, uh, your streams of water in the public square, uh, let them be yours alone. Never to be shared with strangers. What's he talking about? What's he talking about not sharing your water? He goes on, May your fountain be blessed, and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. Don't share your wife. Don't share this wonderful gift that you have from God. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always, May you ever be intoxicated with her love. 
right? Men and women, your spouse is a true gift from God. Why would you give up such a, a gift? As a, uh, um, the, 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 right, the, love, the first love of your life, the one you married, the one you cared for, the one you, you, um, that you pr- made promises to, why would you give that up for the, for, this, for the wicked man, for the seductive woman? And this leads us to our, to our next um, part of the study. The noble woman, the noble wife. Proverbs 31. Starting at verse 10. Most of women can quote this whole part, right? A wife of a noble character, who can find? She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up while it is still night. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Five more minutes. She provides food for her family and portions uh, for her family's servants. She considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp uh, does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the, the, the distaff and grasps, uh, and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the, to the needy. When it snows, she has no fear for, for her household, household, for all of them are clothed with scarlet. She makes coverings for the bed. She's clothed in fine linen and purple. Her hands uh, is respected. Sorry, her husband is respected at the city gate, where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. She makes a linen garment and sells them, and supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household, and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise, I love these last few verses, her children arise and call her blessed, and her husband also. And he praises her. He praises her saying, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful, beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works Bring her praise in the city gate. So we see in here there the two main two main characteristics that she's praised for, for fearing the Lord, and for her hard work. Right? We saw that in, in most of that proverb was the women. She's right the works of her hand, just working hard diligently. So like a brother, or, I'm sorry, our sister Fern mentioned this morning, I had, sent out, uh, I had Becky send out an email to the women of the chapel asking them who they consider, as women, who they consider noble women. And these are some of the responses I got. You would know most of them, of course. So I'm going to share some uh, portions of some of the emails that they sent me uh, just to expound on this. 
Mrs. D comes to mind, and many other of the women in the BFA who have faced several hardships and are still going on strong for the Lord. Another example that comes to mind is a woman in DR Congo named Perpetua. Pardon? Perpetua. Who, uh, who we met when we were there in 2016. Perpetua. Uh, one writes of her, a, ho- uh, a house call to her dear friend Perpetua, who has been uh, paraplegic since September 1972, so for 45, 45 years, has always been a delight. She is one of Nancy's patients on arrival in Yakunde in 1973, and neither of us thought this, uh, this far into the future to know that we would be kept by the Lord through some of uh, the rough times and still be there in Bunia in 2009. She continues with her sewing, uh, sewing business on a short, wide stool on her lap most of the time. Some women I, uh, I would consider noble would include Mother Teresa. She displayed the tremendous faith and was willing to put uh, in the efforts required to make a difference in so many people's lives. She, uh, she put others first, was completely selfless in her work with the poor. Corrie Ten Boom, <clears throat> again a woman of tremendous faith and complete trust in the Lord. Machkin Brody, we've heard about, we heard a little bit about her this morning. A lady named... Uh, Majkin, is that how you pronounce that? Mike, thank you. Maiken uh, Broby, who was a Swedish nurse who was instrumental in developing a child's refugee home in Germany after World War II. World War II. She overcame enormous personal uh, health issues, financial concerns, and was able to provide a loving home for many, many refugee children. She depended entirely on the, uh, on the Lord to supply the needs of, uh, of the home. I remember meeting her as a young girl when she came for a visit to our farm, she was such a warm, loving woman, I would definitely call her noble. Sharon Johnson. Who knows who Sharon Johnson is? I had no idea. But this is what one woman shared. I admire Sharon Johnson, the wife of our Governor General, David Johnson. She married David when he had holes in his shoes. They were both brilliant people. Her education pedigree is too long to write here. She is self-effacing and never pushes herself into the spotlight, but works, tires, but works tirelessly to improve the lot of others. I totally forgot to mention that Sharon and David have five children. So you become a noble woman after, what, two or three children? Once you hit five, you're a noble woman. So. The Queen Mother. I think the Queen Mother, uh, as she was known, would fit the definition of a noble woman. I learned this part about the Queen Mother from my, from my mother. Um, whenever I heard my mother mention the Queen Mother, she would talk about how the British public loved and respected the Queen Mother because she, uh, she chose to stay with them and go through what they were going through during the Second World War rather than leaving them as she would have been able to do with her status in life for a more comfortable and less threatening environment uh, while the war was on. At the outbreak of World War II, some officials suggested that Elizabeth and her children evacuate North, to North America or Canada. To this, the Queen replied, The children will not leave unless I do. I shall not leave unless the Father does, and the King will not leave the country in any circumstance whatsoever. 
During the war, uh, her seemingly indomitable spirit provided moral support to the British public in recognition of her roles as an asset to the uh, British interests. Adolf Hitler described her as the most dangerous, dangerous woman in Europe. Fascinating. Beautiful. So these last words about noble woman, I'll give to uh, one of the ladies who, who wrote. I guess what comes to mind for most when speaking of a noble woman is Proverbs 31. This passage can actually be discouraging to some women who may consider that they could never reach the level of ability or skill depicted for a woman in this passage. However, what strikes me in considering women uh, in my life who I would consider noble is the level of faith exhibited by these women. Yes, the character, uh, the character displayed in Proverbs 31 is certainly a high calling, which I think is only possible when we have complete faith and trust in God as our helper and strength. He is the one who gives us the ability to do or be anything at all. So we saw at the beginning with Eve, right? She said, I've brought forth the son with the help of the Lord. And this is what our sister is saying here. Can only, right, the only way we can attain that status of noble woman is with the help of the Lord. And, we, and that's what Proverbs is all about, helping us through, right, giving us guidance, giving us wisdom. But we must seek after it. We must search after it, right, like gold and silver. We must cry out for it, and the God will give us wisdom. But there, like you said, the verses here are not promises. The words of guidance to keep us along our path. So we pray for our families, we pray for uh, our wives, pray, wives, pray for your husbands, parents, pray for your children, children, pray for your parents. And just ask the Lord to help us, to give us strength, and to keep us faithful to his words. And just never neglect the word of God as, as the foundation for family, for parenting, for rearing children, to keep us away f- from adultery, and for being that noble person we're called to be. Our dear God and Heavenly Father, we just love you. Father, we love you. Jesus, we love you. Spirit of the living God, we love you for giving us everything we need to be that person you've called us to be. Whether we are a father, whether we are a mother, whether we are parents, uh, whether we are the children, whether, Lord, Father, we are going through times of temptation with, uh, with someone else, Lord Father, you've given us everything we need to overcome this. Just help us to listen. Help us to listen. Lord Father, and we just pray for those, those children of those around us who may be considering leaving the teachings of the Bible. Those, Lord Father, who, who are not convinced that the Bible is true. Oh, Lord, Father, we just pray to you, Lord, Father, that you would discipline them with the rod, with the rod of love, with the rod of concern. Lord, Father, we pray that there, as the sister had prayed, that there would be no peace until they return to you. We pray this all in the name of Jesus. Amen. David and Vicki.